All right, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Stack Strength Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Daniel DeBrock, and today we're uh, joined by Mark Lobliner. So, first off, thanks so much for jumping on, man. I've I've seen your stuff for a very, very long time, and it's cool to actually have you on and be able to have a have a chat face to face. It's gonna be a great time, man. I appreciate you having me on. It's um, yeah, you know me a long time because I simply refuse to go away. I think everybody in the first wave of fitness YouTube kind of like moved on with their life. Me, I'm like, nope, still hanging on. My 15 minutes have become about 15 years at this point. And that's why it's working, man. Um, <laughs> you could, you tell me, I don't know. I'm, I'm doing my thing, but you know, obviously I've, I've grown up and I have more wrinkles now, a little less hair, but, uh, but my body hair keeps growing. That's the crazy part. Like my hairline keeps going back straight down my back. It's like just traveling. I know you get you get the worst of both worlds sometimes. Um, I'm good with it though. I'm good. I'm aging gracefully. So, can you give a little bit of an introduction uh, for those who maybe aren't familiar with you and some of your work? Uh, yeah. So, um, I'm the uh, owner of TigerFitness.com, MTS Nutrition, Pump Chaser Supplements, Ambrosia um, Partner in. Um, also have a youth performance facility called Legacy at Carbon in Franklin, Tennessee. The Outright Bar, which is the number one bar at GNC. Um, with Ambrosia, we have Planta, which is the number one plant protein at the Vitamin Shop. So a, a lot of a lot of a lot of balls in the air, so to speak. A lot of things going on. Uh, my my real passion is is coaching. You know, that's kind of what I I, I always put it like. I think God put me on Earth with a skill in business to be able to, you know, make some good stuff, help people reach their goals, but long term. Uh, my calling is to, is to coach kids. So that's, that's where I'm at in life. But you know, I'm a, I'm a husband. I married my high school sweetheart. I have three children, a 17 year old daughter, soon to be 15 year old son and another 10 year old son. And they're all, you know, good athletes, good people. And, you know, I just kind of do my thing. I've been around the fitness industry since 1999. I started with Weeder Publications, helped found Instone with Sylvester Stallone uh, back in 2004. And also in 2004, after Sylvester Stallone fired me, I actually went and started a company called Cyvation. You might know us for creating the intra-workout category with Extend. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I actually wasn't uh, familiar with, with some of the other things that you were doing. So that's really cool to hear about that. There's um, some things in between. That we don't talk about, you know, yeah, bodybuilders yeah. got to, and I'm, oh, oh, I'm also an IFBB pro, which if you care about that stuff, um, I'm not a good IFBB pro though. I like to consider me the best of the worst. Like you got the good guys and then you got the really terrible guys. I'm the best of the terrible. Hey man, you're still better than most people. I think these pro <laughs> cards are hard to come by. Yeah. I mean, I like when people be like, man, they're just giving out pro cards. I'm like, why didn't you tell that to the 200 guys I beat that day? Like, <laughs> They're not just handing them out. These guys looked amazing. I'm backstage. Like I'm about to lose. And somehow I won. I'm like, this is awesome. Thank God. I slept with all the judges. <laughs> That's one way to do it, man. If you know, That's you the only way to do it. If you look like me, man. Yeah. Um, so actually one of the things that I wanted to, to touch on first was your, work that you do with youth. So that's something that uh, I'm actually pretty passionate about myself. I do a yeah. huge amount of outreach work with youth. Um, and so I wanted to know what it was that got you started working with youth athletes in the beginning and what keeps you being, I guess, so passionate about it. So I was, uh, believe it or not, I was a bit of a troubled youth, um, had a bit of an anger management problem, and I was really going nowhere. I was hanging out with the round crowd, doing the bad things. You know, um, where I you know, where I ended up growing up in the situation I was in, it was just what, what you do. And so, you know, I was actually, I played football and it was my sophomore going into my junior year. And I was, I was a JV player, you know, I was terrible. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to get into college. Like I'm going to be stuck in this situation the rest of my life. So at that time we had a coach, his name was coach Cornell miles. And he was large man. And he used to train every day after the football team trained with the, this guy named Leon Hatton. And Leon was an outside linebacker. He was a junior when I was a sophomore. And I'm like, you know what? I need to get better. So I'm like, I went up to them in the middle of their workout, right? Well, actually right before they were starting, I'm like, I want to train with you. Cause I want to start next year. And they laughed at me <laughs> and I'm like, no, I'm serious. And they're looking at me. They're too um, really well-developed black guys. Here's me, an undersized white kid, 170 pounds soaking wet. And, um, okay, if you could keep up with us today, then you're in. 
And I remember we did incline bench press, and somehow I was able to get weights I never got before. I think it was sheer adrenaline. I'm surprised I didn't tear my shoulders right off their socket. And from then on, it was, it was down. Every day, we'd go in the gym. We'd train for two, three hours. It was before overtraining existing, existed, after practice. And then Leon and I would go and do conditioning with the basketball team. Sure enough, I gained 70 pounds. I ended up playing my junior year at 240 pounds. This is in about a two- to three-month span. So, and this is before I, I didn't know what steroids were. Um, I actually thought you could catch them. Like I thought you could like get tainted chicken and like, it's like catching a cold. Like, so I went to the doctor cause, and, and I'm like, doctors, yeah, what's going on? I'm like, I think I'm on steroids. <laughs> and the doctor's like this, like this, like probably like 50 year old Asian dude. He looks at me and he goes, huh? And I'm like, yeah, you know, everybody at school keeps saying I'm on steroids. They ran a bunch of blood work. Turns out, like, when I started lifting, like, my testosterone just shot up, right? And, um, and I just started making gains, and I was training and eating, and I was eating McDonald's, and I was making these 2,000-calorie shakes before we had any of this stuff we have now. Like, all I knew is I was, my coach told me, you need to eat. And I'm, a, I'm not that smart. I'm like, sounds good. And McDonald's at the time had 99-cent Big Macs. So life was good. So that was, uh, that's how I got started. So long story short, actually long story long, um, coach miles saved my life. You know, he's the reason that I'm here right now. I have no, I'm in, I'm fully confident I would be dead, um, or in jail if coach miles wouldn't have taken me under his wing. And then I had other coaches, coach Scott McCrillo along the way. These are guys no one's ever heard of They're high school coaches, but those changed my life. And I have a sign right here. Hold on. This is it. A good coach can change a game. A great coach can change a life. And that is why I do it. 100%. It's to make kids better. It's to make them reach their goals. It's to help them achieve the dreams. And worst case scenario, make it so they have healthy habits. They don't become obese. And it gives them the work ethic that they need to make it to that next level in business, in family, and in life. That's awesome, man. And it's, uh, it's crazy because a lot of the times you don't even know as a coach, the kind of impact you have on these kids lives. Like, cause yeah. a lot of the times they're not going to tell you until several years down the road, then you hear some stories and you're like, holy shit, like that's crazy. Uh, I know I've certainly had a couple of experiences like that myself. I'm sure you have tons just with however many years you've been working with these kids. And, yeah. um, I mean, it really does make a difference. And, you know, as much as people want to talk politics and all this stuff, but we need to change this, we need to change that. In my opinion, really the only way to, to make any impact is to start with kids, you know, teach kids good values, give them mentorship, give them support, show them that there is another way where it's like, you know, cause it's funny, a lot of people don't really, they kind of struggle with that, where that, that idea yeah. of understanding like how kids go down these paths. And it's like, man, if you live in like a poor neighborhood, if you live where there's a lot of crime, if you live where there's a lot of gangbangers, people are dealing drugs and that's everything you see. It's very difficult to know that there's other opportunities for you out there. And so all your friends are dealers, all your friends rob people, all your friends carry guns. Well, what are you going to do? You're probably going to do the same thing. And then all the good guys and the good, you know, people who could potentially point you in a different direction, they leave because they're smart. So then what are you left with? Right? Yeah. And I mean, I'm not like the kids I'm coaching now There's, I'm in Brentwood, Tennessee, man. There's, <laughs> I think our crime rate's like negative, but I mean, this is a very affluent community, but these kids, here's the problem. I think it's even worse. Like imagine if throughout life you don't struggle that mommy and daddy are always there to save you. If you get in trouble at school, they'll always have your back. You know, it's like, it's a different kind of struggle where the adversity faced by the kids here is they have it too good. And they, what, 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 what training does for kids it gives them a purpose. It gives them a reason. It gives them an identity. And I, I'm there, there's one there's one kid I train, and um, she was going through some issues, like making wrong decisions, getting bad grades, getting in a lot of trouble. And through training and sport, completely different kid now. Completely different kid. And it's it's not that she has bad parents. Her parents are amazing people. It's that kids tend to not listen to their parents. But when you have someone like Coach Mark encouraging you and telling you that you can do it, that's where you make your difference. So a lot of people see me online and, and the whole boom, you know, it's like, okay, people see that and they think I just make YouTube videos. At the end of the day, 
I've been on conference calls since seven o'clock. I'm really just a behind the scenes business guy. But once the classes come in session at five, six and 7 p.m. at night, I'm there for my kids. And then I'm at as many of their games as possible. And when I say my kids, my kids aren't just the three kids I have. I have 100 kids. You know, all these kids are an extension of my family. And the kids I coached last year, I, co- I was a head strength coach uh, for Ravenwood's wrestling team, high school my kids go to. And they all still call me Coach Mark, you know. Um, and, and we still have that relationship. So, again, a coach, if done correctly, uh, can change a life. It's not just about winning games. Okay, I, I do like winning, and I'm the guy who's going to tell you winning is everything. But in the process of winning, you're going to lose. But at the end of the day, if you can win games, imagine how that mindset will take you through lives, through business meetings, through tests, through whatever it is. It gives you that forced adversity to be able to handle real life adversity. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's so many times where, I, like myself even, when I first started boxing, I remember I started fighting because I was like, man, I'm tired of being a victim. And then you yeah. start boxing, all of a sudden you start getting good, you're winning, and it starts building up that self-efficacy and that belief that, hey, you know what? I remember when I can, I can, I can remember when I used to look back and I used to get like teased and I remember feeling scared. And yeah. then I remember knocking motherfuckers out in a ring with like <laughs> thousands of people watching, you know? And so it's like, that's, that's, awesome. that's not the same person, you know? And so it, it definitely does something to you when you have a coach there, when you have that team there, and then you can all work and become better. And like you said, it's not even really something you notice. It's just over time, you're like, you're not the same person. And so, I mean, like, one thing, I guess, I just want to kind of commend you for, for your work because that's something that's really, really important, really impactful. And I think not enough people really value the significance of, of the work that you do and people do outreach and people help kids. Because like you said, you change lives and then you change one life and you have no idea how many people that person's going to impact because now they're in a better place and now they believe in themselves and the things that they're going to do and accomplish in their lives. And so, you know, like I said, it's commendable. Just wanted to kind of give you shout out for, for that because I think it's, it's definitely uh, undervalued. Well, I appreciate that. And at the, at the end of the day, it's, you know, I was thinking of running for, for local office for, um, for state for state Congress, state house. And that's not where my impact can be made. You know, politics, that's a whole new, it's a whole different animal. What I can do is help my own community. So a lot of people complain about what's going on in America, what's going on in their state. Not me. I live in Tennessee. I love it here. But a lot of people complain about stuff, but they don't do anything. They go to work. They come home. They drink their six-pack, and that's it. But you can do things locally. If you don't coach, run for school board. If you don't like school stuff, you know, help out in some way. Go to a homeless shelter. Do something. We have a country full of a bunch of complainers. And not a lot of doers. If everybody who complained actually got out and did something to make a difference, people have time. I know how much time people spend on social media. I've seen the statistics. Take that hour you're scrolling through TikTok and actually do something valuable with your life and actually go out and donate your time to helping people or to a cause that you're passionate about. And the world in the country will be a so much better place. It'll be a much, much better place. But people always expect someone else to do it. Like, oh, my kid's being bad. Well, hopefully their teacher corrects it. Let me tell you this. The teacher doesn't care. They just want their pension. They want to go home and they want to work eight months out of the year and get paid for 12. Facts, okay? You're the parent or you're the citizen. Get out there and make a difference. If you don't like what's going on in the world, do something about it. Do your part. Do your part. That's all I tell people. My part is coaching. Okay, that's how I give back to society. How you give back to society could be so much different. Could be picking up trash on the street. Could be spending time at a homeless shelter. Could be spending time singing at a, at, a, at a retirement home. There's so many ways to give back to society and give back to your country and your community. But again, a lot of people are just, a lot of people just like to complain a lot, but not a lot of people like to make that difference. A hundred percent. And you know, it's funny because oftentimes, too, when you hear a lot of these conversations happening, it's we need to tear down the system. We need top down reorganization. And it's like, you know what? If you start locally, that's where actual change happens, because this whole idea of like politics and I mean, maybe I'm out of my scope and people can tell me what I'm talking about. But my personal opinion is exactly like what you were saying. It's like if you just take care of your family, you take care of your friends, you take care of the people in your community. 
that will grow outward, you know, whereas if you try and stop global warming, if you try and <laughs> it's like, what are you going to do? It's, cl- it's climate change now. You got to, you got to get the right. It's climate change. Sure. Okay. Whatever. Yeah, it, it was right? too, it was too, it was too cold last year. Say so change it to climate change. Okay. Yeah. So climate change, whatever. It's just like, if you try, I don't, I'm trying to keep you from getting canceled, bro. I'm trying my best. <laughs> if you try and take on these massive, these massive projects, most people just get kind of disheartened because it's like, well, where do you start? Whereas if you like exactly what you said, maybe you just start picking up trash in your community. Maybe you do that once a week. Maybe then you attract a couple of your friends to help you do the same thing. It's like these little things go a really long way and they snowball. You don't need to start massive. In fact, it's probably a better idea if you don't start massive. And I mean, you could make a, a very simple association with training. If someone wants to squat 700 pounds, you don't load 700 pounds up. You start with where they're at and then you slowly progress over time and maybe eventually they'll reach that. Maybe they won't, but they'll still be a whole lot stronger because of it. Yeah. So a hundred percent, like I agree. You it, it's li- it's life. It's life progressive overload, right? Progressive overload. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just a weightlifting thing. Like you do that to your brain. Like when you go to school or you're studying or you're learning a language, you learn one word at a time. And next thing you know, you, you know, 720 words. Just like you start at 100 pounds, you progressive overload, you get up 200 pounds. In the meantime, you're putting on lean tissue. And life is progressive overload. You don't just bomb yourself with these things, right? And and the same thing you're talking about. Like, I'm involved in the Libertarian Party, the Mises Caucus. Um, and we're talking, I'm like, dude, you're not going to win presidency. We're not, nobody's, nobody's voting. It's a two-party system. But start locally. Win some city council races, win some school board races, and then promote the fact that we're about individual liberty and we're about freedom and about state rights and we love marijuana. So let's go with that. And we're and, and like and, and it's like so that's where I'm like, dude, everybody tries to go for this big grandiose scheme. Look, you're not gonna you're not gonna go on a grand scale. You got to start small. You got to build it. Like when building a business, you don't start out with an international portfolio. You start out selling locally. You don't start out with 400 products. You start out with three. So everything in life, you have to look at it like, how can I scale this? You need to be able to scale. So if I'm coaching, I started coaching at a soccer club. Actually, I started coaching my kids. Then with all my education and all the stuff I do, I'm like, oh, cool. I'm going to implement this straight program, the soccer club, Campton United in, in Illinois, asked me to do it. Went there and coached for a year. Took it from having 11 non-contact ACL injuries for our girls program to zero in six months. Six months. Proof of concept. Moved on. Coached a wrestling team. Coached other kids. Now I have a facility. What can we do with the facility? Start in Franklin. Long term, we can have a hundred of these things nationwide. So, and you got to replicate your methodologies, but you don't do that. You know, you don't do that overnight. You know, vitamin shop has 800 stores. Now they started with one. Okay. They started with one, but you can't just go and you have to have proof of concept. You have to be able to scale. The same goes for weight training. The same goes for business. The same goes for education. The same goes for life. You have to take it in through a straw. You don't just pour it over your head. Yeah, no, I couldn't. I couldn't agree more, man. Um, so, this is actually pretty interesting. I, I wasn't expecting this conversation, but I'm actually really enjoying it. Um, and so, this kind of does lead into one of the other things that uh, that I wanted to talk about. Uh, I saw a recent post talking about where where you were talking essentially about how people who are negative on social media, commenting, trolling, things like that, it says a lot more about them than it does about you. And I think, you know, a lot of people hear that and they've heard it before and they kind of know it conceptually, but then the moment that they actually start getting, being the ones who are under attack, all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, and they kind of feel like shit because social pressure is is pretty pretty potent thing. And it takes a lot of discipline and I guess self-awareness and maybe a variety of other things in order to really kind of, just stay true to who you are and, and, and bear some of those criticisms. So you're someone who's been in the spotlight for a very long time. How do you, how do you manage that, uh, that, that type of criticism and sort of keep going forward and not let it affect you? It affects me. And I think it affects everybody. It's just a matter of to what degree it hurts when people say mean things. It just does. It's a human reaction. You could have a hundred positive comments and one negative one. And what's the one that you notice? Yeah. The one that's just negative and people will stop at nothing. Like the big thing I get is, is the drug thing. And I'm a guy who's just like, I'm on prescription TRT. 
But because I still compete, because I stay so lean, it's just, I literally, I don't track my macros. I just have an insane metabolism and I, I'm active. Like today I've already, I can look at, you go at my whoop strap. I've already burned 3000 calories. Like I'm burning through, I'm churning calories and I coach kids, which is very, you've coached. Like, it's not a sedentary job. Like, I coach kids for three to four hours a day. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm sitting at my desk for nine hours a day. I don't get enough sleep. And I'm running around. I train myself. So it's like, I have a very fast metabolism. My body holds on to muscle. And TRT, for me, it yields really good. I mean, it's, it's I've been on it since I was 27. Uh, because, not because I, I, and then it's like, oh, you, because you overdid drugs in the past. Like, no, no, no. I was natural when I started TRT, like a militant natty. I was one of those guys talking trash online. You know, it's like, actually, I didn't. It was kind of before social media became a thing. I probably would have. Um, it hurts. It really does. Because the first thing is like, people get mad at like Mike O'Hearn and anybody else, Simeon Panda, because they're like, well, I'm natural. No, you're not. But I'm natural. No, you're not. I don't know if they're natural or not, don't care, but think about it. Like, they're answering that question. Every, they can't wake up in the morning without it, right? For me, it's like, all right, you're not natural. I'm like, no, I'm not. Here's what I'm on. No, you're on more. It's like, you can't win. You just can't win. And then they bring your family into it. They'll attack your wife. They'll attack everything. And it's because their life is so bad that they get off. They feel better. By taking someone who's apparently killing it at life, like, I'm not going to lie, my life is pretty awesome. Like, I'm a self-made millionaire, I, I have abs, I'm 42, life's good. Life's really, really good for me. I live in a beautiful house, um, and I don't, I don't have to budget at the grocery store. I think that's the, the, for me, wealth is not having to worry about buying the name brand at the store. That's for me that it's not owning a Lambo, which I'll never buy, never say never, but I have no intention of buying. It's being able to go to the store and not budget and buy the store brand if I don't want to. Like I can buy the store brand Metamucil if I have constipation, right? So that's me. Um, and these people, it makes them feel really good to make you feel, feel really bad. And that's just a horrible place to be. I've never, as a bodybuilder, who doesn't have the greatest body, I know that. I have a mirror. I know my arms are undersized. Like, but I've never had, and I'm friends with these guys, Jay Cutler, Branch Warren, Flex Lewis, Ronnie Cole. None of these guys has ever trashed my physique. Like, nobody better than me has ever said, wow, dude, you look like shit. Nah, it's usually like, first, first text I got was from Jay Cutler after I got my pro card. First guy, he beat my family to it. Like, here's a guy who won four Mr. Olympias. The great ones want to see others succeed because they're very confident and very, very proud of what they've done where they don't have to see other people suffer to feel good about themselves. Those who have never achieved anything, they put down those who reach their goals because they are sad that they never reached their goals. Nobody who earned an IFBB Pro card, even the guys... Anybody, not one person who's IFBB pro blank or blank, blank, IFBB pro. Not one of those guys shows any hate. All those guys show love. Professional athletes, NFL football players. I live right by Titan Stadium. I know a ton of them. Soccer players. I know a ton of the guys on, the, on Nashville SC. Dude, these guys respect professional athletes. I've never had someone better than me tell me I suck. Yeah, I think a lot of that goes down to the hours you put in because once you put in that much work you realize how hard it really is you realize yeah. what goes into it you realize the passion and the sacrifices and so when you start seeing other people coming up you're like man i remember when i was in that position and the last thing you want to do is fucking stomp on someone when they're down or when they're trying to come it up hurts you want to help so them bad. you know and and that's the funny thing because like you know i've been uh, talking a lot more about the community um, in general that you're lifting in. So the training environment, your training partners. And I've talked a lot recently on how important that is because the gym yeah. that we used to train at, we have like tons of insanely strong people there. Like, I think we have like five people who deadlift in the mid 800s, you know? Hell no. I would break every vertebra in my body. Well, most people would, right? And, yeah. and, and one of them is an 83 kilo lifter, which is bonkers. That's and insane. So, you know, everyone who goes to that gym 
gets better. They all put on like 20 pounds without even trying, like of muscle, right? Without even trying. They all get incredibly strong and hit PRs within the first couple of months because everyone there rallies around everyone else and wants to make them better because the more that we support each other, the, the better everyone gets, right? And it's like a, a rising tide raises all ships or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, that's it. And so yeah. 100%, I agree with you that most of the time, if not, you know, almost all the time, it's going to be people who are jealous or who haven't necessarily accomplished something that are going to be the ones trying to tear other people down. Um, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's really interesting hearing that from you as well because you do have a really large following. You have been in the game for a long time. And so even though you kind of have reached a certain point of success in your career, you're still like, man, it fucking hurts when people talk shit. It hurts so bad. Like, uh, and so what you were talking about earlier, um, the company I own alongside Microsheet and Sean Torbody called Ambrosia. We call that leveling up. And you want to surround yourself with those who are better than you. And Mike, myself, and Sean are all really good at certain things. And all of us have gotten better through, since 2015, we started the company. We've gotten better and better and better and better because we keep bringing each other up. We keep leveling up to each other. And I don't know if you've seen the Redeem team about the uh, Olympic team that came back and when Kobe Bryant came on. And they were LeBron and all the other players are telling the story. And they're just going along practicing. Kobe comes... And it's a normal practice. He's diving for loose balls. He's run up the stadium. And everybody had to step up their game. So I always tell people, if you're the smartest guy in the room, get the hell out of that room. You're in the wrong friggin' room. I want to be the dumbest guy in the room. I want to be surrounded by geniuses. You know, and that's why I'm so excited about uh, the Kabuki Education Week that we're presenting at tomorrow is that these guys are guys that I look up to. And to be able to present alongside virtually all these geniuses, I'm like, I looked at this list and I'm like, (laughs) look at the one that doesn't belong. Oh, that guy, you know, it's like, holy crap. Like you got, you got the, the best of the best. You got the cream of the crop. So, you know, I always look at it like that. I like to be surrounded by people better than me. And I normally, what I've done, and I, I, I think this might be elitist and wrong, that if somebody doesn't contribute to as much as I'm contributing to a relationship from an intellectual standpoint, I just can't have it. Like the only people I hang out with are my business partners and my kids and obviously my wife. So it's one of those things where I don't waste time with, with people who do not have the same motivation and drive as me because it it brings me down. Yeah. And I mean, I don't necessarily think that's elitist because there's, there's certain, I think maybe people can understand it from a different perspective, where if you have a relationship, just purely a friendship, where you're always the one calling, you're always the one making, yeah. you're always the one reaching out, and they're never investing anything back, that gets pretty tiring. And you're like, do you even care, dude? You know, and so it ends up being the same thing, just in terms of the goals and the trajectory you have for your life, where if I'm investing all this time in you and I'm trying to hate, like, you know, I want you to present, I want you to be on this podcast. I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And I'm reaching out and giving all these opportunities. And then, you know, the moment that maybe I ask for like one thing, I'm like shot down. Then you're like, okay, wait a minute. What the fuck's going on? You know, there's a bit of an imbalance here, you know? Mm -hmm. So even for my kids, yeah, even for my kids, like I, like my daughter's starting her first company in March. It's already started and it's really cool. Yeah, so she had, um, when she was a child, um, throughout, like, up until a year and a half ago, she would get these hemiplegic migraines, which is when your face strokes out on one, it was crazy. And so in the process of doing that, she found out, researching, that all female athletes, youth female athletes, are deficient in certain vitamins and minerals. So, okay, she also found out that they won't take pills. And so she actually came up, I obviously helped her formulate because I'm her dad. It's what I do. And she came out with a specific product to help female athletes not be deficient in these. For example, iron, like a teenage girl menstruates. So iron becomes an issue. And, and so it's, it's such a, and so she literally pitched this to me. But for the last like three years, I've been like, I'll, if, if whatever you want to do, I'll support you. And then it was like, she wasn't really giving me any feedback. So I'm like, I'm going to just stop. And then she finally was ready and she came to me. That's when I'm like, all right, you're ready. You know, 
And that's why I think for everybody in life, when you enable people to be, to be mediocre, you're not helping them. So if you're not accepting me helping you and you're not offering things that'll help me, then it's just, it's a relationship that's not going to work. It's a dead end. Yeah, no, 100%. And, um, so when it comes to, I guess we'll kind of touch on a little bit of the fitness stuff. This honestly has been like a really just interesting conversation that I wasn't anticipating <laughs> talking about like a lot of the life stuff. So I don't necessarily want to redirect it too much. Um, but in, in terms of, I guess that mentality, because a lot of the same stuff is applicable, obviously in sports, right? Like you have yeah. to get back to your team. You have to contribute to your team. You have to be someone who's like, how can I get this edge? How can I get the edge on my opponents or on the oppositional team or whatever it might mm -hmm. be? And these things are going to apply in business or education or really anywhere as well. And so when it comes to actually like fostering that type of mentality, you know, I guess if we can kind of go back to youth athletes or even let's say intermediate and more advanced athletes, how is yeah. it something that you can actively cultivate in your community uh, that you're training with or coaching? So I don't like skill set based groups. I like age groups. I like, I like, you know, I like different levels, but generally speaking, if I have a group of sixes and I put a nine in there, those sixes will suddenly become sevens. We trained this, uh, the girls lacrosse team at independence high school. Phenomenal. They never won a game before they hired us. They won their first game. Yay. But, um, these girls are amazing. So we started, um, it was hot. It was summer. We go outside and we're doing sled pushes and we put a 25 pounder on there and they were barely moving it. So their captain girl puts on three 45 pound plates and Eric's like, she's not going to do that. That's impossible. Push that thing. Like it was a feather. Next thing you know, another girl did it. Then another girl did it. These girls are struggling with 25 pounds. Then another girl did it. So the way to build things, I'm not a negative reinforcement guy. I'm not one of those, you suck, you're a piece of crap, whatever. I'm going to praise you when you do good stuff. And if you do something bad or something inappropriate, I'm going to find a way to give you the old poop sandwich, right? Like, hey, you know, you, your form was really great on this, but you kind of let loose here, but your hair looks nice. You know, the, the, the good old poop sandwich, right? So... I think that's a, a great strategy is lead by positivity, you know, and when they do something right, like you'll never see anybody more excited than me when someone gets their form down on running, when someone's able to do cheek to cheek arm form and do everything right, opposite arm, opposite leg, dorsiflexion on the acceleration, you're going to see me exploding like we just won the Super Bowl because people respond to positivity. And a lot of coaches are negative-based. Oh, you messed up. Give me 10 push-ups. Let me ask you this. A sport is exercise. Why am I punishing kids with exercise? You want to punish a kid? Have them sit out. I had a kid at my soccer club. He was uh, 03 at the time. So he was, what, 16 years old. And this kid was a great soccer player. But he was also a clown. So one day, doing his clown thing, distracting the rest of his team, I'm like, dude, go sit. Just go sit and watch. Huh? Yeah, go sit. No coach has ever done that. And so he sat. Within a minute and a half, the kid's nearly ripping out his hair in tears because he's watching the rest of his team work, and he's watching. It's amazing what happens when you do stuff like that. He never, ever misbehaved again because he knew how much it hurt to be on the sidelines. That's like being on the sidelines while someone else throws the, the winning touchdown pass, right? Mm -hmm. Like that is painful. So I take a different approach. I approach things with positivity. Now, someone like me, I like a coach who tells me I suck. My daughter, same way. She, but you do that to my 15-year-old son, he's going to cry. <laughs> like he's not, he's going to, it's going to emotionally overwhelm him. There's a kid who cries when he wins. Like he takes everything so seriously. Um, so I figured that err on the side of positivity, err on the side of participation, like your reward is getting to train. You should beg me to do extra pushups. It's to the point now where if my kid's on a team and let's say the team that loses has to do 20 pushups, 
My son will do 20 push-ups with the losing team if his team wins. Because work is reward. Work should not be a punishment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like that, especially because one of the things that it does is it facilitates positive reinforcement. Yes. And the negative stuff is applied, but it's not necessarily as directed. You know, like someone misses a shot. Oh, fuck you. You missed the the winning shot, blah, blah, blah. Like you need to better. It's like your participation is validation that you're doing a good job. You know, the fact that you're always starting, the fact that you're always doing this stuff, the fact that you're coming in and like, you know, you're actually getting a lot of game time or field time is, is sort of that validation. And so it's like a really direct meritocracy, which is, which is awesome. Um, Yeah. And they get to kind of see the the benefits of all their hard work as well in their performance improvement. And so- I do the same thing with my with my my companies too. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see me read my employees. If they do something wrong, I'll be like, "How do we correct this?" And sometimes it's not correctable, and you have to let someone go, which really sucks. Yeah. But in life, you know, generally speaking, if 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 I have if I have a person who my colleague colleagues. I hate the word employee. It slips once in a while, and I apologize for that. I hate that word. It's almost like servant. I don't like it. I never like the word employee. But if let's say, let's just for the sake of not confusing the hell out of people, if one of my employees does something good, great, or, in, or whatever, I'm going to let them know. A lot of bosses only talk to you when you do something wrong. Why not talk to them when they do something right? Why not? positive why not reinforce that behavior instead of correcting a bad behavior why not reinforce a positive behavior Mm -hmm. yeah and a lot of the times that goes a lot further as well so i mean you know when i'm doing check-ins with my athletes they'll you know say something like oh you know i kind of dropped the ball on this and i just need to be more disciplined and da 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 and a lot of the times just that human element can go a really long way so for instance this is an example of something that happened very recently where one of my athletes was um, basically just really shitting on himself in, in the check-in and I would just stop and be like, Hey, look, like you're one of the most disciplined athletes I work with. And I have worked with period. You always hit your targets. You always hit this. You always hit that. You just got married and had a week vacation with your fiance now. I'm yeah. not tripping. You're fine. Okay, relax. Enjoy this time. <laughs> Enjoy yeah. you know, and like and just sort of validating that that he's not a piece of shit and being like, no, 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 this is fine. Like you're good. I'd rather have you do that because now you're chomping at the bit to come back and to and to be more disciplined and to push harder and to make sure you're getting sleep on time and do go that extra mile. You know, so I'm not concerned about it at all. And even just like that sort of positive reinforcement instead of being like, well, yeah, you kind of, you slipped and we didn't talk about it and blah, blah, blah. Cause it's like, I could do that. And that would be true. But at the same time, where is that going to get me? Whereas me validating that and acknowledging like, Hey, you just got fucking engaged, man. That's awesome. Go celebrate. I'm totally happy for you. Now he's going to come back. He's going to be like, Oh, Daniel's bought in, you know, he's supportive. He understands me. He understands my life. And now I'm so hungry to get back in because I want to make sure that he knows that I'm still dedicated to this. And it's, it doesn't yeah. take a lot. It's just exactly like you can correct the same problem just by shifting that perspective a little bit in terms of how you actually navigate the conversation. Yeah. In my diet coaching, a lot of times it's look, man, I believe in you. I believe you're better than this. You know, it's like a lot of people just, yeah, hundred percent. They, 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 they underestimate their own willpower and they think they have to make mistakes because they've always made those mistakes. So I'm like, look, man, you might not believe in yourself, but I believe in it. And, you know, at the end of the day, people aren't really good with food. Like our, our country's obese and there, there's a reason for that. Like people aren't good at eating the right foods and people aren't good at eating the right quantities of foods. So dealing with people, it depends on the person. You have to be careful in how you address certain individuals. And sometimes you'll try it. You'll be like, I'm going to try tough love. And they're like, doesn't work. Okay. We're going to try something else. We're going to try. Cause it's just like, and one of it's like, Hey dude, like you paid me. I'm doing my job. I need you to do your job. Can you do that for me? Like, I don't want you to waste your money. I want to get, my goal is to get your results. And it's like, I never understood why someone would pay someone for a service. And then they like, are they like making it like, it's like, well, you know, I'm doing this. Like, cool. 
I'm just trying to get you in shape, bro. Like, I don't need to know all that. You know, it's like, so I guess, I guess for me, it's a, there's a bit of an empathetical disconnect for me in, in coaching because I've never not stuck to a plan. You know what I mean? Like, I've never, ever fallen off a diet. I've, ne- I've never done it. I've never done it. It's just like if, if I have a coach and he tells me eat five grams of dog crap, I'm going to eat it. I'm going to be like, all right, coach said to do it. You know, other than the whole drug thing, like I've, my, my coaches have never been like, you got to take insulin. And I'm like, no, nah, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. You know, I'm always upfront about that. I'm like, look, man, like even when I came back and got my pro card, like I was 41. So I'm like, look, up front, I'm not doing all that stuff. I can't win it the way I can win it. We're just not going to win it because like I'm old and I plan on getting really old and that stuff that the other guys do, I don't want to die. <laughs> it's pretty simple. Like for me, that pro card sitting right back there, that was not worth dying for. Now it's cool to have, but at the end of the day, it doesn't define who I am. You know what I mean? Um, it was a goal. It, it was a, it was a big, hairy, audacious goal, audacious goal like a BHAG as they call it. And, and I'm proud as hell of it, but at the end of the day, I wasn't about to sacrifice you know, my life for it, you know? And it's, it's one of those things where I think people think everybody who, everybody takes these risks. You look at even like a Phil Heath, that guy's healthy. You know, you can't tell me Phil's not in good health. He did whatever he did, he did, but he did it right, as right as you could. Like, I, I respect people like that. Like, I don't know if you know Phil personally, one of the greatest guys you'll ever meet. No, no, I don't know him uh, very well. Great guy. I know, I know a lot of bodybuilding adjacently, but not, uh, not, not directly, because I'm, I'm not a bodybuilder myself. So, Well, these guys are good people, and the community, as long as it's fitness, like, it's, it's one big happy. Yeah. Like, I, I know, you know, I'll, I'll chat with anyone from an Ed Cone to a Phil Heath to, you know, to a, um, a Duffin, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'll chat with all y'all. Like, it's, it's one, at the end of the day, the community, even if you combine everything, powerlifting, bodybuilding, um, strength, it's not that big. It's really small. Yeah. So, and we just happen to all be at the same trade shows. And it's just one of those things where it's a, it's a very positive community. I don't think people understand how positive bodybuilding is. Like you see these gossip channels. I like Nick Trigilli, but he's kind of like, oh, well, this guy's, it's like, dude, like if you're actually in the community, everybody's pretty nice. Like there's no beef in real life. Like everybody's very cordial with one another. And if there's any beef, it's, it's kind of manufactured, you know, it's like, you know, like a fight hype, like McGregor, um, when McGregor fought Mayweather, you know what I mean? Like they were, everybody's like, oh my God, they hate each other. And then they get on the same flight. They're on this. Do you guys realize they're flying on the same private jet? And they were like calling each other. I'm like, I don't, I think this is an act guys. I think yeah. it was so funny <laughs> laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, I, it, there definitely is a lot of manufactured drama in, in social media. It has to be. So even like recently, I kind of pointed this out where people will will sort of point the finger back in themselves, honestly, but almost in this holier than thou way where it's like, oh, the fitness <laughs> industry promotes these unrealistic standards. And it's like, first of all, it's not unrealistic because these people are reaching them. I don't even use filters. I probably should. Like, I need to Photoshop my calves. Yeah. Somebody accused me of of synthol once, man. Well, not once, a few times. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, have you seen my calves? If I'm putting synthol anywhere, it's in my calves, bro. It's not going to be in my delts. God gave me these things. I worked for the rest of it. But my calves, God was playing a joke on me. Yeah, well, it's it's funny where people sort of choose to to I guess plant their flag in the ground because again, it's you know oh unrealistic body expectations and like the fitness industry can be toxic and it's like man, I know so many people and I've been in the fitness industry for a fairly long time and I don't think it's toxic. I think it does an incredible job. Even if you were to look at guys, you know, like like old school Mike Chang six pack shortcuts, right? And I'm not sure if you know who that is or like, V-Tro. did he pass away? I heard he passed away. I have no idea. I haven't heard of anything about it in a long time, but like yeah. a lot of these big marketing, you know, sort of individuals uh, that have a huge company backing them. And it's like, are they kind of scamming people? Are they selling like not the greatest products? Yeah. But are they also doing exponentially more good than they are harm? Yes. They're getting, it's a net good. They're getting people into fitness they're, they're hitting the low-hanging fruit, and it's like, how are you going to say that that's a terrible thing? 
Okay. Well, I I personally hate the Liver King. <laughs> I hate him because he's a liar. Mm-hmm. And not, see, it's one thing. Like, let's say we find out, and again, I don't know. We find out Mike O'Hearn's on on drugs. Okay, that would shock everybody. Now, but let's say we find out Mike's on drugs. Mike doesn't really promote natural bodybuilding. He just answers the question, okay, yeah, I'm natural. But he's not out there being, I'm natural. You're a cheater. Here's me with needles. Obviously, I'm natural. So the reason I hate the liver king is he was was a false prophet, right? Mm -hmm. And what he did was disingenuous. However, when I look at the liver king, I'm like, and you don't hear about him anymore. Like, talk about 15 minutes, right? That guy fizzled so fast. I haven't seen his likeness in like two months, since the, the, after the whole pop and fizzle of his thing. But was he a net positive? The guy's promoting getting sunlight, exercising, and eating meat. Okay. I, I think that's a net positive. So even our dirtiest of dirty scumbags had a positive influence on people. A net positive. Was he a good dude? No, I think he's a, I think he's a sociopath. But... Did he actually contribute in a positive way to society? I think yes. I think yes. I don't like the guy, but I don't think he was a net negative. Yeah, that's kind of how I see things as well. It gets it gets a little like murky when you start getting into some of the details and people get a little obsessive yeah. and they want to have this like infighting and create this drama. But at the end of the day, most people are generally doing things to help other people out, to be better, to, to push the industry forward to push people forward and kind of help them out. So I generally kind of tend to think the, a lot of the similar things, but um, uh, I guess since you did touch on um, PEDs a little bit with liver King and things like that, what, what are some of the issues that you see commonly come up uh, for both novice as well as experienced lifters? Cause this is something that uh, I know a lot in the strength sports world has become a little bit more of a yeah. kind of, controversial opinion or sort of controversial uh, topic as far as so my my opinion on steroids is pretty simple <clears throat> don't take them sorry so like i mean i know mistakes, like common common mistakes or, or issues that you see coming up in steroid use uh yeah just so in in people who are just getting into it or people who are more experienced who have been doing it for a long time i don't think people look at the risks and the long-term effects of steroid use you know um and I speak as someone who's, I'm not saying I've only ever done TRT. I've done, I've done steroid cycles. I've tried Trenbolone. I've tried Masterone. I've, I've, tried, I've tried steroids, man. I have. And I regret it. You know, I don't think I needed it. I think I could have been, I, I, honestly, it was so long. I think I could have been pretty damn good without them. You know, I could have just done the TRT that was prescribed and been good to go. But a lot of people, they don't realize that there's a lot of health effects that come with, with um, excessive um, steroid use. And if you look at those risks and you still think it's worth it, then by all means, you know, I just said earlier, I'm a libertarian, personal responsibility, you do you. But I mean, steroids don't directly kill you, but they do lead to things that will kill you. Um, enlarged heart, they lead to a low HDL, a higher LDL, they lead to unbalanced, they lead to a lip, um, Sorry, they, they lead to uh, um, a, a messed up lipid profile. So you combine all those, those are pre, pre-indicators for heart disease. And what's killing a lot of bodybuilders? Heart disease. Then you factor the way, the way that it actually makes you gain weight. Being overweight, whether it's muscle or fat. Sure, muscle is going to have less of an effect based on the, vas- the vascular nature of muscle. But you're also going to have an increased risk of heart attack just simply from being bigger. So if you look at all of those and then you get into competing, you got kidneys, diuretic use, you have liver, oral steroid use. Um, and if you decide to go for insulin, you take one bad shot. That's your last day on earth. So I think a lot of people don't understand that even with steroids, if your genetics aren't up to it, you're going to still look like a piece of shit, just a larger piece of shit. So, uh you know, it, it, there was a saying my buddy Ron Parmeter, and I'm paraphrasing, a natural bodybuilder, is um, you can't polish a turd into a diamond. So if you're a piece of shit, you look like a piece of shit, steroids are going to make you a bigger piece of shit. So my advice 
is if you have shitty genetics to work with what you have. For example, I have weaknesses. My body is not great, like compared to the elite bodybuilders, but I took what God gave me and I worked my ass off for 30, almost 30 years now. And this is the best I can do. And it wasn't because I threw insulin and all this GH and everything at it. Yeah, I did do steroids, but that's a small part of the equation. The biggest part of the equation is the fact that I never missed a workout in 30 years is the fact that I never missed a planned meal in 30 years. And that's why I am where I am. Actually, it's 29. I started at 13. I'm 42. So I think that a lot of people look at steroids as a fix-all. You know, it's the antidote, right? It gets you in shape no matter what. It gets you lean. It gets you shredded. If your diet's not on point, if your training's not on point, all you're doing is adding more risk to your health profile, and you're not going to add that much to how you look. And when you come off, you're probably going to go back to looking exactly how you looked before. Yeah, there's a couple really important points that uh, that you mentioned. So the first one is, I guess the use of, of drugs and how people sort of perceive it. So the way that I'll look at drug use anyways, is a little bit more like a nutrient timing protocol, right? Where there's no point in adopting a nutrient timing protocol. If you're not even hitting your base calories and you're not even hitting your base protein, adding that into the mix is going to do fuck all for you. You know, amen. Amen. Except now you have all these potential health risks that are associated with it, you know, because it's not going to actually drive anything. And so, like when I look at PED use, especially in athletes who will come to me about it, because like this is something I've always been like, look, I don't know enough about it to, to to coach you on it. I can send you off to people who do, but I don't understand the blood work. I don't understand the endocrinology. So you'll have to talk to them and then whatever. Um, but I'll usually be like, hey, I don't think it's a good idea because you don't have these things checked off. So it's like you drink. Maybe you don't smoke, but you stay up really late. Your stress is super fucking high. Your diet's not great. It's not a good idea to use drugs. Get that shit dialed in first. And then if you decide to do it later, dude, you're going to get crazy results. But it's because exactly like you were saying, you have all those boxes checked off first. And then the second thing is that I think it's very difficult for someone to project themselves into the future to really accept the consequences of potential health outcomes that could come down. Heart failure is a bitch, man. It's, it's incredibly, like we don't want that. Cause yeah, you're, you're, you're assessing probability, but the way that I'll sometimes explain it to someone is like, okay, you know, let's say you don't wear your seatbelt. You could be driving for 20 years and never need your seatbelts, you know, but it takes one accident for you to drive your fucking head through that windshield. And now you're dead. So it's like, that is something that is happens, one hell of a metaphor. If something That's happens, awesome. It could be catastrophic. You could go your whole life and not have any issues. But if something does happen, it could be absolutely catastrophic. And so it's like, it's very difficult to put yourself into that mentality to truly appreciate the gravity of the decision you're, that you're making, you know, if you decide to use PDs. Yes. And so I think that's a very difficult thing to do. But then also making sure that you have the groundwork there to actually prop up the benefits of, of PED use and significantly downplay or sorry, down regulate the potential yeah. risks that are associated. You know, if you're really stressed out, if you're drinking and using drugs recreationally. I, mitigate. I like using yeah, the there word you go. mitigate. Not, mitigate. Yeah. Mitigate. Non-regulate. That was not right. <laughs> I, I, um, so my whole thing is when I started TRT at 27, cause my test levels came back in the seventies. Cause I look, man, to get to where I'm at, I ran myself into the ground. I didn't sleep. I didn't do anything right. So by the time I, but I trained and I ate perfect. It was sleep. It was mainly stress. Like starting businesses just tore me up. And so basically everything crashed at like 26 and it really sucked to get on because I, I wanted to be natural for life, you know, natty for life. And, um, you know, I look at it like the reason I responded so well is because I had all those boxes checked. Diet was for that time. My diet was good. What I eat, what I ate in in 2006 now no my my, my diet philosophies changed a ton right like that was that was in a weird time right you had the, the dueling no carb diets and and all that so okay my diet was on point for for the time my training was always insane always intense i was winning npc shows as a natural as a lightweight and a middleweight and 
when I introduced my body to exogenous testosterone, it was magical. Mm-hmm. But if you have none of those boxes checked and you get on, on cycle, you're just going to get acne. Like if we have those kids at the gym, man. We've got a lot of young kids at our gym. And you can tell when they get on cycle because they get a little fatter and they gain acne. Like, there's no muscle, and they, they lift more. Like, these kids, they will look like crap, but, man, they will all of a sudden go from benching 135 to 315. It's insane. It's almost like they do, not, like, this. It just the strength gains doesn't matter. Like, if you're, if you're a fucking 17-year-old and you throw tests in the mix, like, you're going to go from being eh to being strong as hell. I've seen it, like, 10 times this year, and it's February. Yeah. <laughs> It seems like every kid in town had their New Year's resolution was to get jacked and take drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're not wrong. So, like, honestly, I was really ignorant of drug use, uh, like, just how prevalent it was in certain gym communities, even up until, like, 2018, I want to say. So, I was working at, like, a Gold's Gym. This was, yeah, back in, like, 2018. Um, And I was pretty big back then. I was about 270, but I was, like, fat, you know? Holy shit. So uh, I was, I was fat and like, everyone thought I was on drugs and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm natural. You know, I was natural at that. I'm on McDonald's. I'm on Burger King. Yeah. So I actually ate really healthy. Like I ate very clean. It's just, I ate a ton. Cause I wanted to like, holy shit. You know? How did you do that? It was, it was tough. It was tough. I, but I had a couple hacks. So there were a couple things that I would do where I'd like watch Netflix anytime I ate. So anytime I would eat, I'd always be watching television. So I would forget that I was eating and I could eat without being stuffed. Um, and then like, this is going to sound gross, but I would like, cause I'd eat a lot of ground beef and rice. So I'd pour water into it to m- give it some moisture. So it wouldn't be so dry. And then I'd eat it. Like, I know this is not, I'm not recommending it. I'm just, this is what I used to do. So I, I just don't, I, I just don't want it bad enough. <laughs> I mean, you got much farther than me in your physique. So I think, I think you're doing a better job, but, um, at any rate, yeah. People would ask me like what I was taking, because uh, I was you know decently strong and but I, and I was big, and I was like I'm taking like protein powder. Like what do you mean? And then they'd be telling me that they're on like 750 megs of trend, and I'm like, what? I'm like dude, you look like shit. You should not be dude. doing that. I'm like you you look like garbage, and everyone's I... fucking using, and they all look like shit. I was like dude, like I don't know anything about you know drugs, but I know that you're clearly fucking doing it wrong. You know, man, I, I can't imagine being on that much trend. I took a hundred milligrams every other day and I was like, never again. Like my whole disposition changed. Like I'm usually a very kind of happy, calm guy, like very excitable, like kind of manic, but I I understand my disposition, but on trend, I was like kind of quiet and angry and um, it was weird. And I also couldn't sleep. I was sweating. And then you get the trend when you, when you, when like one out of every five injections, you hit like that area and your, your lungs constrict and then you get the trend cough and you feel like you're going to die for about 70 seconds. Um, I always tell people like, don't do trend. Don't do trend. I actually have a video coming on my YouTube channel. I think it's in the queue. It's like, should you take trend? And the end, just a spoiler. No, no, I, unless you're so like, I know a lot of IFBB pros who compete at the big shows. Right. And I'm not talking like I'm talking, well, any, any pro show is a big show. Basically they're pros and they compete. And every one of them who is on trend says it's a necessary evil. There's not one, and unless you're a pro, you get a pro card without trend. You get a pro card without trend. And I've seen people actually compete as pros and do very well without trend. So the moral of the story is don't do trend. It is so harsh. Oh my God. It is, it's, it's Satan's piss. And it's literally yellow like piss. Don't do trend. There, there's my, do drugs, just don't do trend. <laughs> just awesome. dare to keep kids off trend. <laughs> awesome. That's the perfect, that's, that's, that's where we're going to end the conversation. Do drugs, just don't do trend. Yeah, yeah, do all the drugs you want, just not trend. Like trend is, again, it's, um, my, I'm not going to say who, but one of my buddies like, it's Satan's piss. Satan's piss. And I'm like, that's perfect, perfect description. Yeah, it, it is actually. That's, that's pretty accurate. Um, awesome, man. Well, yeah, this, like I haven't even really looked at my notes, to be honest. I had all this stuff that I was going to talk to you about, but the conversation just went in a completely different direction. And I found it incredibly interesting. So I really appreciate you taking the time to jump on here, man, because uh, it was it was a really, really fun chat. Where can people find you? 
So on YouTube, it's at um, youtube.com slash Tiger Fitness. Everywhere else, it's at Mark Lobliner, M-A-R-C-L-O-B-L-I-N-E-R. Um, Twitter, Twitter, I, Twitter's not like the Instagram Mark. So they're two different people. Twitter Mark is more political with some hot takes and bad language. Instagram is all like family, God, fitness. That's where I would like for my athletes to see me, not Twitter. Um, and, and then I, what else do I do? And then, um, I think that's it. I, I I'm not really good at TikTok cause I'm old. So I, I'm not, I'm not going to dance. And, uh, th- that's pretty much it. And tigerfitness.com. And, oh, the Outright Bar, um, we're available at all the GNCs now. So Awesome. Congratulations, dude. So <clears throat> all that stuff's going to be linked up in the show notes. Definitely make sure you go give him a follow. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out his Instagram and his Twitter for all these political hot takes. I've actually seen a couple. <laughs> of, I think I follow you on Twitter as well. I just got on Twitter not too long ago. It gets bad. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, make sure you guys check that out and, and give, him some, uh, give him some support. Show him some love. Mark, thanks so much for jumping on, man. It was, it was really awesome having you here. Thanks for having me, brother.